Wonderful. So we're in the ninth chapter, and sometimes I would like people to get every point that I preach on. You won't believe how much effort goes into a preparation of a sermon. The amount of research that you need to do, the amount of work that you need to do to make sure you're not preaching what you feel that Scripture says rather than what God intended it to be. Am I right? And I see so much of what I prepare actually just dissipate over the heads of people. But there's one or two things that seem to stick. And as long as that one thing sticks and it's about Jesus and it's about Him crucified and resurrected and bringing unity into the body of Christ and bringing us together in unity, black or white, young or old, rich or poor, unity comes in the body of Christ. There's no rich or poor in God's eyes. There's no black or white in God's eyes. He brings the body of Christ together to bring the lost into the kingdom. Am I right? Of all shapes and sizes and ages. Our greatest purpose, what I've read through and what I've learned over studying the book of Ecclesiastes, the writer Solomon really points to the fact that our work, our pleasures, our marriages, our children, our everything else is peripheral compared to knowing God. When we know God, all of those things then fit into His purpose. But when we place our work before God, our money before God, our, pleasure, our pleasures before God, our marriages before God, we lose our sense of purpose. Am I right? So we've looked at the pleasures of this world. We've looked at our marriages. We've looked at our children. We've looked at all of the things that He, he has brought into our attention. But in chapter 9, he goes into something very special. Something that all of us will face one day. What is that? Does anyone know? All of us will face this one thing. We cannot escape it. Someone said, there's two things you need to do. Pay your taxes and to die. And uh, somehow, I agree with that. <laughs> You know, you have to do that. But the truth is, you, may not, you don't have to pay your taxes, but you have to die. You probably will die if you don't pay your taxes in South Africa. They will find you. They will put you in jail. Truth is, friends, we have to... My mom always said to me, I said to my mom, you have to do this. So she said, I have to breathe and I have to die. That's what my, mom, my mom's favorite statements in life. All I have to do is breathe and I have to die. That was my mom's favorite rebellious statement to anyone who made her do anything. <laughs> so, I want to encourage you. This is not a message of doom and gloom. But the truth is, friends, we will die. None of us can escape the fact that we will die. But, here's the hope, the message of hope in this chapter is this very thing. Is that we still alive. We're still alive. I want to ask this question. Are you healthy enough to breathe right now? Do one? You're healthy enough to breathe. Are you healthy enough to breathe, Molly? Can you stand up for me? Can you stand up for a moment? Molly, can you still 
bowl. You can. So that means you're still good. By the way, she is an almost professional bowler. She's bowl, as in um, ten pin bowling. She's like provincial. Am I right? If if not, if not. So there's someone who no, do never ever challenge her to ten pin bowling. You will lose. You will lose. Bet you didn't know that about Molly. But Molly, you're still alive. And let me ask this question. Whilst you are alive, what is your purpose? Live in the house of the Lord, right? Okay, Eugene, what is your purpose, my friend? What is your purpose? Whilst you're alive, yes. To love people. You love people. So that's your purpose. That's what you feel the purpose is. Right throughout Ecclesiastes, what Solomon does is he tries to show us that our purpose is centered around God and His will. Friends, if money takes the place of God, who is God? Mammon. We can only serve God or we can serve money, but we can't serve both. And whilst we look at money as our provision... Okay, if it is our wives, if we put our wives before God, who is our God? What is our purpose then? Our purpose is our wife. And whilst our purpose is our wife, we end up losing our wives. You know why? Because we cannot sustain our marriages whilst we're looking at each other. We can only sustain our marriages when we have the purpose of looking at God essentially as Lord, and we then get our Meaning, and we get our purpose from Him, and therefore we can lead our wives well as we keep our eyes on Jesus. Am I right? Friends, our work. If your work is more important to you than God's will for your life, you cannot prosper in God. You can prosper with money, and you can do well in your job, but chances are the rest of your life will fall apart. Am I right? When we make our work our purpose... We lose our sense of living. We end up being a slave to a boss or a slave to the 25th of the month or the 30th of the month. We, are, we slave ourselves to see that paycheck come in. We were not created for a paycheck, friends. We were created to live and to have our meaning in our Lord. We were created to walk with Him. So this passage of Scripture, the first Six verses I want to read for us. The first six verses, it says here, and I'm reading the New King James, so you might have the NIV, that's fine. The nearly infallible version. The New King James. For I have considered all this in my heart, so that I could declare it all, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. People know neither love nor hatred by anything they see before them. All things come alike to all. One event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good, the clean, the unclean, and to him who sacrifices and to him who does not sacrifice. As is the good, so is the sinner. He who takes an oath as he who fears an oath this is an evil in all that is done under the sun. 
that one thing happens to all. Truly the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil and madness in their hearts while they live, and after they go to the dead. But for him who is joined to all the living, there is hope. Whilst we are still alive, friends, there is hope. Can we agree to this? Whilst you have breath inside you, there is hope. And I'll explain what that means. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. When we are dead, friends, it is too late. Purpose means nothing. Our careers mean nothing. Our money in our bank means nothing. The amount of children we had means nothing. It's too late then. And they have no more reward. For the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love, their hatred, their envy have now perished. Nevermore will they share in anything under the sun. We're either in one of two places, alive or dead. And there would be no dead amongst us today. Because you wouldn't be here, you'd be in the ground. So actually, we still have a heartbeat, we still have a spirit with inside of us, and therefore there is this thing called hope. Can I explain to you what hope means? Hello? Can I have some yeses, amens? It would be nice to have some interaction. I'm very, very insecure today. I want to read, I'm just going, I'm skipping right down. In verse, verse 4, it says, But for him who is joined to all the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. All the potential we have while we're alive, we still have potential. But once we die, no matter how talented we were, no matter how great we could have been, no matter how amazing we should have been, we would be a dead lion, which would have absolutely no value whatsoever. I would rather be a living dog than a dead lion. Am I right? Because that dog still has a purpose. It can still serve its master. It can still do something. So this word, whilst we are still alive, we have this thing called hope. But what is this word in its context? What does hope mean? It's funny. It's the only hope this, in this context of this type. It says, betoken, which basically means trust. Or confidence. Whilst we are still alive, we have a trust and we have confidence. Friends, whilst we are alive, we don't believe we're going to die today. Am I right? You don't believe that today your life is going to end. But if I prophesied over Carl right now, today the Lord has told me that you are going to die. And it was true. Carl, what would you do? What would be the first thing you'd think of doing? Dad, what would be the first thing you would think of doing if you knew your life was going to end this afternoon? Yeah. You'd make very sure that you write with God. You'd make very sure that you say goodbye to your family, I would hope. Make very sure, make very sure that everything is in order as best you can to be with Jesus. 
Friends, whilst we have hope and this confidence, we have purpose. I am so sad to see how many people think they're going to serve God one day. Right now, I'm just enjoying my life. Right now, I can't trust God with my money. Right now, I can't trust God with my kids' education. I can't trust God with these things. I need to earn a living. I'm not saying that we need not work. Throughout Ecclesiastes, he says, and he even says in this chapter, that work is good. Do you know that? He says it, and he, there's truth. The fact is, we do. We know that work is great. It says that we need to continue to work and enjoy our work, and it brings us much joy, but it can't bring us hope. Does that make sense? Our salaries can't bring us hope. When you die, your salary means nothing, because what was left of your salary, or whatever you hang in your bank account, will go to someone else. That will mean nothing in the eyes of God. And yet we invest all the time in what we see in the living. But what's amazing is that the author of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, makes more that life is life and then dead, there's nothing after that. Although there is, he makes more of a mention of whilst we're here on earth under the sun. Friends, we only can work whilst we're here in the will of God. Now, the will of God doesn't mean that you have to go full-time and you have to be crazy for Jesus and become weird. It means that we need to find our purpose in following Jesus. Whilst we are alive, we can still make adjustments. Am I right? This hope simply means... That whilst you have breath in your lungs and can move, you have confidence of changes. You have a confidence that you can make some changes. Who of you, if you knew you were going to Jesus in the next year, would want to make some changes right now? Just put up your hand with me. Who would feel right now, I've got to make some radical, radical changes? You know what the truth is? Every time you arrive at church on a Sunday morning or every time you hear a message, there is a, there is a potential for you to become unlocked and unleashed into the things of God. But how many of us will leave the doors today and carry on with our miserable lives for our miserable salaries, for our miserable marriages, for our miserable eternity, like Solomon saw? Or today could unlock the potential to start living in the joy of those things, your job, your marriage, your kids, your finances, that there could suddenly be meaning and there suddenly could be the blessing of God's life over what you do. If you made one adjustment today, who would tap out and take that adjustment now? Who would say, there's a blue pill or there's a red pill? The red pill is carry on your life as it is and you don't know when you're going to die. Or today, whilst there is hope, you have the blue pill option. And if you take this blue pill, your life will literally change. And you will start with the blessing of God over your life and have purpose and have meaning. You may not have great joy at every moment. There will still be clouds and rain from time to time. But you will suddenly be out of the curse of this world. Who would take the blue pill right now? Who would take that option? I'm offering a blue pill right now, who would take it? Who would like to say, I'll grab that right now? 
Friends, we've become conservative in the way we receive Christ. Do you know what I believe? There's a bunch, in fact, millions of decision-making non-believers. People have made decisions for Jesus. That's not being born again. Am I right? We make a decision for Jesus and our lives don't change. Hey? That's, friends, that means that there was never a change. Grace can't cover no change. Does that make sense? Because if we don't change, there was no change. Does that make sense? Grace can't cover what hasn't taken place in the heart. There's a grace movement over our world at the moment. It's not about your works. It's not about what you do to get you into heaven. It's true. It is so true. But we have to change when we receive Christ Jesus. No longer I that live in me, but Christ that lives in me. If Christ lives within me, why do we argue about things of commitment? Why do we not become baptized into Jesus? Why is it that we hold on to our money as Lord? Why is it that we hold on to our possessions as our own? Because those things haven't been, haven't become submitted into the Lord and know that we have a purpose after we die. Does that make sense? So we have the confidence that we can change whilst we're here today. Am I right? But who have you believed that actually are not capable of change? Let's just be honest right now. Maybe you've tried a hundred times, and maybe you're sitting in that place where you've lost a little bit of hope. Please, please be honest with me. How many of us sit here thinking, actually, I've tried this before. I've made this decision for Jesus. I've tried making adjustments. I've tried trusting Him with my money. I've tried trusting Him with my marriage. And it, still my wife's the same. You know? She's still a bat. Am I right? I gave my tithe once, and it was a horrible month. Am I right? We, like, we use Jesus like a magic wand whenever we need Him. When we want that miraculous thing to happen, we jump towards Jesus. But actually, there's no consistency in our life. Does that mean there's fruit? Friends, how many of us feel like we can't change? We just feel like we're one of those, we just run around cycles. Just put up your hand with me. I'm one of those people. How many of you feel that actually, geez, it's hard to make adjustments and change? For maybe for others, it comes easy. But for you, to, like, to live this walk with Jesus is just so hard. Who, who honestly feels like that from time to time? I do. I, I don't know. I must say, it's tough for me at times. Whilst we still sit here, we have the possibility of change. In the physical, here I've got four little areas in the physical that we have hope for to change. Number one, we can rectify our wrong decisions whilst we're still alive. Am I right? We can rectify our wrong decisions, but without the grace of God, we can't keep those decisions right. Am I right? That's what the power of grace does. It helps us keep in step with what's already happened. Am I right? Grace helps us to say no to sin. Not our decision saying, Have you tried that? Have you said today, there is no ways I'm going to get cross with a taxi driver? Do one? How many times? How many times you said, 
I read the Bible today. Yay! You get in your car, go to work, and you're like, whoo, everything's wonderful. That very first taxi driver. You know what really irks me? I don't mind if a taxi driver pulls in front of me. I don't mind if a taxi driver, I know that he's trying to get people in his taxi. But man, if someone pulls a zap sign at me, it is a red flag in front of the bull. I want to kill the bull. It is the worst thing for me. And I remember driving up the road from Carnival one day, and uh, I, I pulled in front of someone, probably about from here to Heno away, from the back of the church. I was miles ahead of him. So this top, he drives past me. And I mean, he must be in his 60s, at least. You are a toppy, You're my toppy. Yes, you, let's just admit it. You're old when you're 60, okay? You are getting on. So he drives past me, but he's got this look on his face. And I'm thinking, hi, you know, I'm fine. This guy's got a trailer and the chop. He pulls right in that his trailer's going to hit my car. He literally pulls right over so that his trailer will push me off the road. Yes, and I tell you, I'm like, slam on brakes. Shannon's in the car with me. And all of a sudden, that middle finger comes up at him. I hoited at him. I was like, what did you just do? I pulled a zap sign properly at this guy. And this guy's still lucky, wants to fight with me. I'm thinking to myself, what are you thinking, you jerk? I'm ready to kill. Shannon just takes my hand and she's like, this is not worth it. I was like, I haven't pulled a zap sign at people in about 15 years. And this was like last year. I just hoid this middle finger like before I was saved. I was ready to kill. And I mean, friends, the truth is, we have those moments when we make decisions without the grace of God. We're just making decisions, and we're going to fall in those decisions. Am I right? I want to say this. If you accept the blue pill today, then you need to accept the grace of God to help you to make those solid in your life. Many people have accepted Christ without the grace of God or have actually asked for the Jesus but have not received the grace of God. Am I right? We make decisions for Jesus and therefore we see no change and then we lose hope. Then we just believe we're never going to change. Am I right? Friends, you'll be tested in all of the things that you say you're not going to do. So we have the ability to change our wrong decisions. The second thing, we can turn to God before it's too late. Hello? We can turn today to God before it's too late, and you can live a life with the presence of God with you, in you, and before you, and above you, and behind you. When we accept Jesus, and when He comes into our heart, there has to be a death. You have to die. You will die. But you will be resurrected. And you will be born again. And you will be a new creation. And the old has gone. He will not remember what your sins were yesterday. He will not ever remember your sins of the past. But as of that day, you are His possession. Your finances are not yours from that moment. 
Your marriage is not yours from that moment. Your life is not yours. Say it with me. It's not mine. It's not mine. Friends, when we are born again, it means that we are a new creation. And if there is no change, there simply is no Jesus. Am I right? I think Peter Pollock was the man who said that. No change, no Jesus. Number three. When we are still alive, we have a hope that we can change and we can still live our dream. Friends, how many of you have got dreams? How many of you have got dreams? I want to say that this meeting will be a meeting that you can choose to live out your dream. Is that okay? Because your dreams are as important to God as they are to you. Because he says he grants you the desires of whose heart? His heart or your heart? Your heart. Mom Lily, the desires of your heart. Ask him to remind you of the desires that he's placed in your heart. And today, today is an unlocking moment for those things. Is that okay? Number four, we can still do his will and not our own. And we can put our hope in him. Is that okay? And then there's the spiritual. So those are the physical things that can happen. There's a spiritual hope. There's a spiritual changes that we can bring. Number one, Solomon doesn't make mention of what comes after death. But we do know through other scripture that we live for eternity. Do you believe that we will live for eternity? Who doesn't believe that? Can I ask, who doesn't believe that there's life after death? Please put up your hand. Be honest right now. If you're an atheist or you don't believe that there's life after death, just put up your hand. Maybe you don't want to put up your hand, but I want to read this scripture for you. It says here, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have what? Eternal life. Friends, eternal life is for eternity. This life is for the next 20 years for some. Maybe less for those that are older. For those of us that are in our 20s, it could very well be even less. Who says you won't get cancer? Who says you won't get hit by a bus? Who says you won't get some other dreaded disease? Who says that you won't get a heart attack? The stats are proving, friends, more people are dying of heart attack than ever before. More people are dying of cancer than ever before. People are not even living past their 40s because of stress and bad food and all of these things. Cancer, disease, all of these things take our lives. We cannot take the risk of not taking the blue pill. Am I right? So the spiritual thing is that whilst we are still living, we can become born again and we can invest in our life for eternity. Number two, John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, and even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe that if you believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that you will never die? You may die physically, but you will never die spiritually. But friends, there is a very sad gospel being preached out there that you just have to accept Jesus. Actually, there has to be repentance. There actually has to be a change. There actually has to be a spiritual adjustment in your life. 
And that's why the church is so important for us to come together. So grace does not cover an unchanged life. If there isn't a change, there wasn't ever a change. If there's no fruit on the tree, friends, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And a bad tree can't bear good fruit. That's what Jesus said, am I right? So today we're going we're gonna to accept this blue pill. Is that okay? 